For all of human history, cultures all over the world have contemplated death. For some, it marks the end of our lives. For others, it is the beginning of a new journey. It has been feared, romanticized, and welcomed. It can be taboo to discuss, yet it is woven into countless stories. But throughout 200,000 years of human history, death has always been inevitable. While the advances of modern medicine have worked to delay the inevitable, significant medical advances have also been made in providing peace and comfort for those at the end of their lives. To help us face our fears of the unknown, we may one day be asked to have one of the most important conversations in our life, discussing our goals of care. On episode 1 of our two-part series on confronting mortality, we dive into how goals of care discussions help the healthcare team align treatment decisions with the patient's values and wishes when faced with life-limiting illness. To help us understand the intricacies of conducting such a conversation, we interviewed Dr. Jason Profetto, family physician, to share his insight and his experience. So my name is Jason Profetto. I'm a family and academic physician, and I work at McMaster University, and I have a full-time family practice in the Stony Creek, Hamilton area. There's several areas in medicine that are, let's call it intimate and sensitive, right? It's not something that's discussed publicly or with people that you don't know. And they're not necessarily easy conversations. An example that comes to mind is people who are suffering from depression and, and suicidality, right? And and you're talking to them and asking them questions. And this can be some of the deeper, darker parts of their life. Or if you're talking to somebody about a very private medical issue or private social issue, you think about like divorces, financial trouble, etc. That is, I think it's all quite akin to goals of care conversations where you're talking to somebody about some paramount decisions that they're going to be making about how their life will conclude and what they will do. And you're guiding them, you're giving them direction, and you're giving them insight. And to imagine that your words could have so much influence and power over an individual's outcome, that's a very humbling situation. There's this blend where you are the medical expert, you do have the information, but at the same time, you're not the person making the decision and helping guide someone so that they can do something in their best interest. And you'd be amazed at how many times providing that information in an objective, factual way, um, but still being like reassuring can be huge, significant in an individual's course. No goals of care discussion is the same between two patients. Each patient has unique preferences, feelings, expectations, and goals, all in the context of their unique illness. However, while every conversation is different, we'll try to outline some common themes that goals of care discussions try to address. One common theme is understanding. What is the patient's understanding of their current situation? What do they know about their illness and their prognosis? And equally importantly, how much more would they like to know? Some patients find comfort in knowing the statistics or what may lie ahead, while for others, it can cause distress. Next, a physician may ask about the patient's values. What brings them quality of life? Who are the important people in their lives? Are there important milestones that they'd like to achieve, like a loved one's graduation or a wedding? Is it more important to prioritize comfort and minimize suffering or prolong life to its fullest? What has been the hardest part about the process and how could they feel best supported? Are there religious, spiritual, or cultural beliefs that can be incorporated into their care? The physician must then integrate all of this information with their medical expertise to guide the patient through some important decision making. If the patient has a cancer, would they want the most aggressive treatments or focus on minimizing its symptoms while the disease takes its course? If the heart or lungs were to stop working, would they want to be ventilated, receive CPR, 
What would life look like if they were successfully resuscitated? Would they want these treatments if it meant they never left the hospital? These may be incredibly difficult questions to answer, so the physician has a crucial role in providing a mix of their medical expertise, recommendations, and humanity throughout this conversation. So in my practice, what I end up doing with goals of care is just to approach this in a blended way where you know that you're speaking to a human or a family or a person, and you're also applying some important like medical concepts, right? So, you know, when I say you're speaking to a human, just be realistic and understanding and appreciate that people have different backgrounds and they've come from different walks of life and they may not necessarily want this or that that you would have otherwise expected. So I think there needs to be a very like humble, simple approach and just speaking from one human to an next. And, and honestly, that, that level of appreciation of what others are thinking and their perspective is actually really helpful. But then in the same way, you're going to blend in some important medical concepts, right? So, you know, in the medical world, you know what CPR is like, you know what the process of intubation is like, you know what it's like in an ICU, you know what chemotherapy is like. So you can share some of the details and the important context of what it means to actually do something, right? So sharing that medical expertise in such a way that you apply it in, in a very humble and open way, I, I think is the, the basic way in which I would approach it. I've had a lot of conversations with people where it'll be an older individual, they're feeling off, something's happening, you do blood work, it shows something a bit concerning, say like you diagnose a cancer. And I'll say to them, does it, does it surprise you to hear the news that there is a cancer in your lung? And oftentimes people say, no, I knew something was wrong. I knew something was off. Many people who are towards the end of life are um, often expecting a natural decline and a natural process of death. And a lot of people will expect their time to come to an end, right? It's not that they have unrealistic expectations. So I think the majority of people end up having a, a fair acceptance and appreciation of that conversation, while a minority tend to struggle with it. So you introduce these topics based on where they are medically and where they are in life. And I, I think the easiest conversation, I had a, a man recently, like closer to 90 years old, who had a, like a mixed leukemia picture. And he was obviously quite sick. And I asked him, I, I said, how, like, how do you feel? What are you thinking? What do you want to do? And he was very reasonable, very open. He wanted to stay at home. He wanted to discuss goals of care for um, palliative home care. Let's call it an 80-20 split where 80% of people, they demonstrate this level of understanding and reason and logic with what's happening. And maybe 20%, maybe a bit less than that. Um, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It, despite you know you doing your best effort and despite multiple people talking to them and putting it, it into context and explaining it, it's just it's a very difficult thing to digest and to process. One major factor that can make it difficult for patients to have goals of care discussions is the context in which they occur. While some diseases onset slowly, giving time to have such discussions in a calm, unrushed setting, sudden acute events may force patients face to face with their mortality unexpectedly. When a patient suddenly finds themselves in an unfamiliar hospital surrounded by an unfamiliar healthcare team, appropriate care must be taken to broach these sensitive topics. For example, if a patient's entering the hospital and they're having a heart-related issue, 
And everyone's like, okay, go, go check what their code status is. See, see if they want CPR. And the first thing that you do when you go to speak to them is you ask them about whether or not they want CPR. I actually don't think that's very appropriate. I think you're going to catch them off guard. They're, that was probably the last thing they're thinking about. So this is where like that contextualization of the patient and their clinical scenario really does matter. So why are they there? Say they're having a heart issue. No problem. Let's talk about this. We're going to get this in order. You know, these are the things that we think about. You can give them probabilities. You know, you can say the majority of the time things go well and we move forward and there's no issues. In the minority of cases, there is a chance that the heart will stop working. And if it does, what will you want at that point? How will you want us to intervene? Have you thought about those? So you need to introduce it in such a way that is it's natural and it's not intimidating. And to balance that, I think it's also important that you don't want to lie and you don't want to euphemize. So if the probability is not good that they will survive or that they will do well, then you have to be very honest about that. Sometimes these situations are unavoidable, but advanced care planning does allow for goals of care discussions to occur in advance of such events, even in the absence of a known life-limiting diagnosis. Many of the same themes are discussed, although there may not be a specific illness for which a treatment plan needs to be made. However, while advanced care planning has been proven to be beneficial for patient care, it does come with its own important considerations. Who should get advanced care planning? When should it happen? And how does it make patients feel? A recent systematic review conducted a qualitative analysis of advanced care planning and identified three key themes in the literature. The first theme was ambivalence. There are many mixed emotions that come from having such conversations. In general, patients feel empowered and appreciate the opportunity to consider important decisions ahead of time, but also others can experience distress in regards to confronting their mortality. The second was readiness, which is both the prerequisite for positive goals of care discussion and also improved by having the discussion itself. The last theme was openness, which highlights the importance of patients feeling comfortable with being honest with their healthcare providers. Physicians must keep these ideas in mind to conduct a positive advanced care planning experience. I would say the more proximal an individual is towards the end of life, generally speaking, the more natural that conversation is. But at any point in time, even with younger people, I mean, you can consider having that conversation, but it'll feel a little bit less natural. So having these sorts of conversations proactively and engaging individuals when you think the time is right. Um, in my experience, I, I think it, there's, there's a variety of ways in which people will respond. And some people are very comfortable talking about it and others are not. And then there's people in between. I would use terminology or phrasing like, have you thought about your care planning for the future? Like leave it vague and, and see what people think and, and where people are at. And you'll see like some people have everything organized. They'll know exactly what they want. And then others will have no idea what you're referring to. And for those who are a little bit less comfortable, you can contextualize it with probabilities, right? There's a large portion of the population that do die from cancer. And these are often the conversations that we have. There's a significant portion of the population that have heart-related issues. And if they do, these are the types of conversations that we have because they impact what's important to people and how health care is actually delivered, right? I think having them in the primary care setting in family medicine is very, very helpful. And there's, there's some very important techniques and strategies that you can use 
to deliver it in the most natural and welcoming way. For those of us who are still young and healthy, these concepts may feel too far into the future, but there may be a role for us in such discussions sooner than we might expect. The final piece of goals of care discussions may involve designating a substitute decision maker. The substitute decision maker is someone who has the important responsibility of making medical decisions in the event that a patient cannot speak for themselves. Patients have the opportunity to legally appoint someone that they trust in advance, provided that this person is willing, available, and capable of making such decisions when the time comes. In the event of an unexpected emergency, where no one has been explicitly designated this role, there is also an automatic hierarchy of appointment, starting with the spouse, followed by a parent or child, siblings, then any other living relative. Regardless of your relationship to the patient, you may one day find yourself faced with some very important decisions on behalf of your loved one. When you are making a decision for somebody else, especially if it's a family member, friend, or someone that you're caring for, the number one principle is to ensure that whatever you're doing is at least likely consistent or probably consistent with what that patient or with what that person would want. So if you're fairly certain that you know, or it's expressed, written, et cetera, documented somewhere that someone does not want to end up in a hospital, then I think it's really, really important to respect those wishes. If an individual does not want chemotherapy, if an individual does not want to be intubated, people are pretty clear about these points, right? I would also try to say that, well, if you're young and vibrant and you're, you're trying to explain to somebody, you know, different options, it's also important to, to listen and to hear what they have to say, because not everyone agrees, right? So whereas I think, for example, my mom should get CPR, should she have a cardiac issue, she might not want it towards the end of her life. And I have to remove my sort of biases and my preferences and listen to those that she expresses, right? So I think it's really, really important to be humble, modest, and open to what the individual that you're related to or that you're caring for would like. And that concludes this episode of Hashtag Health. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please consider giving us a rating or review and subscribing to our show. You can also follow us on Instagram or Twitter at hashtag health podcast or like us on Facebook. This episode was written, produced and edited by your host, Patrick Kim. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.